Hello and welcome to Conversations Worth Millions, the podcast all about the business of conversational AI. We talk with leading experts in voice, chat, messaging and emerging technology about the strategies and practical applications for business. In this episode, I talk to Martin Gaspar, who has a huge amount of experience in voice, chat and a background in psychology. We talk about continuous discovery, neurodiversity, strategies for building better bots, and why the Wizard of Oz is your new best friend. He also answers the question, how do you create a conversation worth millions? Stay tuned. Enjoy. Welcome, everyone, to the latest Conversations Worth Millions podcast. Today, I am talking to a really interesting guest, Martin Gaspar, who has a wealth of experience across products, chat, voice, and a background in psychology. So really looking forward to this chat and getting Martin's take on where things are heading next. Welcome, Martin. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Martin, the first question I love asking our guests on the show is, how did you get into this whole space? This emerging technology, voice, chat, conversational AI piece. In 2016, when the first boom started, I was working as an AI researcher. And I started working on the largest chatbot project at the time for RBS with IBM and Mindshare. We had to define what personality should the bank, bank's chatbot be, how do people want to talk to this new medium, and how should that conversation be like. Was that a challenge to work within those constraints? It was a massive challenge because at the time, no one talked towards. This was really, really at the beginning. People had no idea how they want to communicate with AI. They didn't know how they want to communicate to a bank. What tone do you strike for? What, what features do you give? We had to run a series of experiments and tests to figure out what even the right direction is and then coming up with something half decent from that. And since that early stage, you know, it feels like a long time ago, but it's only like four or five years ago, right? So what was the path from there to now? So I've done quite a few bot projects in the space based on one of the thought leadership uh, pieces we did. Uh, A major company built a whole department on it. And I started to get to know the experts and got to know the field a bit. So I realized I have a wealth of connections and experience quite early on, which was quite powerful. So I created a chatbot agency and that slowly merged into a data science agency. And then I went on to work as a product consultant in this space as well. And I understand you've got a background in psychology, which must make the science and the emotion kind of interesting for you in terms of products. Yeah, it's fascinating. I think psychology underpins everything from how you manage stakeholders to how you interview users through how do you create that empathy within your company and within your user base as well. And how can you translate that into a digital experience? It's been hugely helpful. So you've got some great experience over the last few years, probably seen a lot of it from the corporate side, from the business perspective, from products and also from psychology. So taking a 30,000 kind of foot view, where are we at at the moment with this whole kind of conversational chat space, do you think? We are really at the beginning of the journey. If you were to plot bots on, on Gartner's hype cycle, I would say that, that AI bots are still at just the throat of disillusion. Actually, there's quite a lot of business problems that are very simple to solve and using these, they're really simple to solve and we can already do some fantastic job with um, having uh, scripted conversations and iterating really quickly to find out really user needs. 
having really complex AI, I think we're really far away from it. We don't have the layers of, of sarcasm. We don't have the layers of, of culture in there. And frankly, if it would work really, really well, all the major assistants on our phones would just understand us. And that's just not the case. You can't have a proper conversation with. I haven't seen any bot apart from Mitsuku that you can have a proper conversation with. It's, yeah, we're a bit far away from, from being seamless and fantastic. But we already see a lot of value from solving the more simple, straightforward, narrow use cases. Sure. So do you think that it's been overhyped a little bit? So maybe at the beginning... Um, you know, we've been involved in, in the, the same space for you know, about the same amount of time. And there was certainly that kind of view at the beginning that, you know, AI is going to take over the world and it's uh, general AI is just around the corner. And that hasn't proved to be the case. I would like to make a clear distinction between AI powered bots that the conversation is driven through AI and the bots that are scripted and have occasional AI functions in there. The ones that are fully AI powered NLP based and there's always a drop off after each conversation. I think we're we're at the toddler level at most. Whereas in the bots that are more task oriented, the ones that that have a really clearly defined flow and have additional features that can use AI if you want, those I think we're at a good uh, team maybe. That there are some really really solid business cases, and I've done some stuff personally as well, that, that really changed my view on how useful some of the more simple applications can be if you really put product discovery and users first. I think that's one of the key issues that I see not happening. Maybe talk a bit more about those use cases, because you know, when we talk to some of our clients and customers, sometimes an education piece, an expectation that you know, AI or conversation can do everything, and then when you actually get to the reality, it's okay, well, the, a good thing to do would be to take this step first. What, what are those steps or the use cases as far as you see them? What I always try to advise people to do is they, they need to really understand the users first, right? Rather than just jumping into a technology solution. You really need to understand the whole landscape and what the problems that you want to solve so people often go too broad and they just want to wrap their whole experience into a conversational interface, which will not work. And they often want to solve challenges that um, are not even tied into their business outcomes. So what I really like to have is figure out what people actually need. What, what are the use cases that will work in, in, in your instance? What will translate well into a bot? And then come up with a really narrow scope and start iterating day by day. Don't, don't start with coding first. Don't start going too broad. Don't choose a technology vendor first. You just have to develop um, exploring the problem and then go into um, to, to technologies. So in terms of when you're talking to potential product owners or clients or customers of yours, how do you approach that? So there are three different types of customers I have. One of them are just thinking about bots. Then it's normally a strategic conversation. How can this tie into your, to your outcomes? What do you really want and what can work in a conversational interface? There's a next phase when they're already building a team and they already have some ideas about what they want to do. Then we normally have to go back to 
to the beginning and just test what actually works. I'll go into a sec how that works. And I also have customers who already are on the journey, built a team, and the bot is just not performing. And it's a troubleshooting and quite often it's normally a total rewrite of the whole system. Um, And we have to restart. But one of the ways that I really like to do is just visit of Ozit, just put a person behind the bot and have conversation with actual people and see how your information architecture, how your conversation design goes. Check your assumptions. Do people even want to do what you want to do? You have an agenda. People may not think that's what they want to do within a bot. They may not understand it. There's, there's a lot of things you need to iron out from, from language through feature, through information architecture. And once you got the basic stuff out, like how do people want to talk to a bot and what do they want to get out of it? That's when you can jump to the next, uh, next steps when, when, you, when you build a prototype from it and you keep iterating on it and testing with qualitative and quantitative methods joined together. You heard it here first on Conversations Worth Millions. All AI bots, says Marlton, are Wizard of Oz. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's the mechanical Turk all over again, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's not what I said. But yeah, so if you Wizard of Ozet, you, yeah. you can get a really accurate view of what people really want. And that's, that, that is fantastic. Instead of you jumping in with assumptions and starting to build robust solutions, which no one will use. I've seen it so many times over and over again. You know, if you haven't really thought through your use cases and what the bot or the voice skill or the automation experience is for and what the user gets out of it, you're kind of doomed to failure, right? From the beginning. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure you see that quite often as well. Do you see voice and chat as the same thing or do you see them as very uh, as parts of the bigger conversational space or are they just completely different well good question they i think they are completely different they they're used differently i understand there's a lot of similarities we are communicating with an interface but that's what we do with our keyboards as well and I, i think they're wildly different you have to design for them really differently there are really different problems they can solve there are overlaps but yeah, I think they're very, very different. So where is the biggest ROI at the moment within the conversational space? Internal stuff can be hugely powerful. Optimizing uh, workflows, getting internal things done, repeated stuff that you, ju- you can just automate away really, really easily with a reminder and a form, for example. Like simple solutions like that, especially at large organizations, can be massive. And also in in customer service, scaling customer engagement. Mm -hmm. So some stuff like asking for user feedback at scale can be fantastic. I I create continuous discovery cycles by uh, getting people to do user interviews, scheduling automatically by the bot. Fantastic stuff. Also, people want to get answers and want to get simple things done. Companies who you can change and amend your booking 24-7 or get really simple answers out of a bot 24-7 will just provide a better experience. Your users will love you more. They will churn you less. These are such simple things we can implement within weeks and they are there forever. And they just keep giving and giving to the company and to the users as well. 
But how do you create those experiences from a practical level? Are you using um, NLP training data? Are you, how are you doing that continuous learning cycle to get to the, the real gold? You can't, I think one of the issues I see is people try to separate it and they, they want to build a bot. Whereas you have an organizational strategy that has goals. You want to increase engagement. You want to know more about users. You want to reduce churn, whatever that may be. And there's, there's a number of different channels there that you're exploiting. First, you have to understand what channels you have and how do people communicate with you in those channels and what are the pain points there. And then you have to see, is there an opportunity for voice or, or chat to help you somewhere and fit it into the larger strategy rather than let's just create a bot in silo and let's hope it works with everything together. Um, where do you think voice will be in the next couple of years, do you think? I'm still yet to see fantastic use cases to emerge. There are some really great stuff, like, for example, in the gaming space. Mm. There are some, some really good companies like Lobworks doing fantastic games. There's the new payment going through Amazon Alexa that you can pay for your fuel. Those starting to be really good features. I think we're still yet to see where all of this platform can go. I really hope that I would really want to tell you that in the next two years, there's going to be a big major boom, but I personally can't see it just yet. Payments, subscriptions, those are probably where, where we're going to see a lot more activity because it's tied to money and it can solve a real pain point. Paying with your voice could be really quite, quite useful as, as, an, as an identification as well, but where, where do you carry it? Where do you apply it? It's a tough question. Are you going down the route of voice as utilities um, rather than a, a nice to have? For years and years now, we're all trying to achieve digital cohesion, right? When you have one personalized AI that does everything for you, that, that controls your chatbots, your voice, your health data, puts everything together and just makes your life seamless and easy. AR, VR tell you what to buy in the shop, creates your diet, fits joins everything together it would be amazing i'd love that i just don't think that within two years we are realistically there but once we're in this utopia then everyone has their own personalized ai that does everything for them including telling you that you need to have a banana because your blood sugar is low mm. through you need to do your taxes within that ecosystem voice is one of the key connectors to everything but in that ecosystem, voice would understand my accent. What is your favorite skill or chat experience? Well, what I use most is URMD's uh, medical diagnosis app. Right. Especially in times of Corona, they're just doing a great, great stuff. Literally, you can get diagnoses to, to minor things, or if not, you can get information about uh, the conditions. It's not going to tell you what's wrong with you. It's going to give you a few options, and you can read up about it, and it will also tell you in a non-threatening way when it's time to see a GP. I, I think they're just hugely powerful, and especially just think about it in, in the less developed areas you have an access to a digital doctor. That's just incredible. You have a, a brilliant job title, which is Product Whisperer. What does, what does that mean? Yeah, so I, I, have, I have a product leadership consultancy. 
and I'm focusing on three things. Conversational interfaces, as, as you probably gathered by now. Uh, product, scaling product teams, hiring product teams, and then helping them to work more efficiently. And I also focus on neurodiversity. Mm. So I am autistic. I have ADHD and dyspraxia. And I started creating videos on LinkedIn to help people understand my journey and hopefully they'll be able they'll be able to see some similarities because everyone's affected by by diversity and neurodiversity one way shape or form either you're dyslexic or someone else who you work with is and people just don't really know how to deal with each other and people who are neurodiverse don't a lot of the times they just don't come out or even if they they say that look i I, i'm autistic people don't know what to do with them so i think it's hugely important for us to to try to educate people because there's nothing wrong with being autistic what's wrong is being mistreated because you're autistic due to lack of knowledge so i i dedicated a large part of my professional career to educate people and, and get the word out on, on the actual benefits of neurodiversity in product teams. I want to make a financial argument that, that CEOs and business leaders understand that if you want more ideas and better ideas, which we all know is the key to innovation, you need to hire neurodiverse talent in your product team. Neurodiverse people's brains work differently, they will bound to come up with different ideas and different perspectives. And if we buy into the idea that product teams are trying to create empathy with, with their users and also within their business to solve difficult challenges, then you do need different perspectives and diversity helps. Teams with more diverse input get better outputs, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. So are robots going to kill us? Well, I hope not. I, I don't think so, no. So I, basically, AI is already powering us, right? All the algorithms that are logical, they are creating the engagements that, that we just subject ourselves to using social media and um, all the different platforms, products, and games that are already in there. They're already controlling us more than we know countries being run and opinions being changed by um, all of these aggressive campaigns that that can happen there. So AI is already controlling us. I personally think that a better way of looking at this is not us versus them. It's how can we work together? How can we make sure that AI and people enable each other and and get better things out of each other? The Guardian had an op-ed done by an AI, and it was pretty damn good. It's been lightly edited by Guardian Subs. It's probably the best piece of AI-written content that I've seen. Scary is the wrong word, but it's, it's getting quite professional. I've seen a couple of um, natural language generation, and it's gone a long way in the last three, four years, I must say. Going back to your robot answer, I feel a little bit better now, but I'm still a little bit scared. Okay, is there anything I can do? From your psychology background, maybe we can have a chat afterwards. <laughs> if a bot or skill or experience could do one thing, and one thing only, what should it do? 
I mean, I'd love if someone would take notes at my meetings. <laughs> Me too. Like actual good notes from different people, properly organized, highlighted, bullet pointed. I'd love that. What's the biggest challenge you come across when talking to clients or customers? I always start with the education piece that there's this inflated expectations that everything is just going to work the first time. You're just going to get it right, bang, and it's going to be fantastic. And more often it's not. And it, like we, I'll have to take them on this journey that it's going to be an iterative process where we, 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 we're going to build and fail. And then at the end, it's going to be fantastic if we get there, but it's going to be a lot of iterations. And also getting users is still pretty damn hard. Mm. It, I think that's one of the most bots are being killed by either not generating value or not being able to get users. Two fundamental requirements. Yeah. Okay. What advice would you have for someone coming into this whole AI space? Get a mentor or a coach. That's the single biggest differentiator that helped elevate my career. Five years ago, I started having mentoring, coaching, and it just transformed everything, really, my whole life. But also, you need to attend meetups like yours and mine, get into the community and talk to a lot of people. And also, you just need to get stuck in and build a bot for yourself and, and make, make it something that people actually like and get some users. There's no better learning than from doing Sage advice, Martin. Sage advice. Three tips for a brilliant conversational experience. What are they? Interesting. So it needs to it needs to be succinct to the point, and you have to start with value. So people need to understand why they're talking to the bot. Now the next one, I think it should be very, very easy. So if you can use buttons any sort of visual stuff that fits in with the bot. Or if you're designing for voice, it should be just a one or two or a yes or no. Make it easy for, for people to interact and get their thing sorted the quickest and easiest way they, they, it can. People don't talk to bots because they want to talk to bots when they, when they need to get something done. They want the outcome. Easily accessible, well understood and then quickly attained. And the most difficult question I'm going to ask is one we ask all our guests. How do you create a conversation worth millions? Okay, so you need to keep your users in mind and giving them 24-7 access to things they want to achieve, things they shouldn't be waiting for is, can, can be the difference between, between providing an excellent service, creating a great connection, or just simply being left behind. Fascinating. Well, look, it's been great talking to you. Thanks for being very open and giving us the benefit of all your expertise. Thanks again. Much appreciated you coming on the show. Martin Gaspar. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Such a good conversation. Thanks for listening to the latest Conversations Worth Millions podcast. For more information on emerging technology, chat, voice, and conversational AI, head over to syntheticagency.co.